If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Hey Addicts, it's, it's Los. Uh, welcome. Hopefully you made it through your... Uh, semifinals unscathed. God knows I didn't. Well, not just yet. I need roughly nine, 96 points from Kirk Cousins this evening. So maybe, maybe he'll, you know, maybe he'll do me right. Yes, I would. Uh, I would like that because as a Jameson Crowder owner, I need, uh, I need him to do well tonight. So apologies in advance for any obscenities that might be uttered. Let's make it happen. This is the, this is the semis. This is, I mean, this is always the most frustrating week of every fantasy season to me. Things always tend to go wrong during semifinals week. I think you can go back to last year's podcast, and I said the exact same thing. Yeah, and uh, if something really good or really bad happens to Mr. Crowder, then uh, Dan will have to edit out a few F-bombs. But uh, let's move on to the Gillette Close Shave of the Week. Yep, cutting it close. So after the Green Bay Packers fought a back-and-forth battle in sub-freezing, frigid temperatures at Soldier Field, the Bears drove down the field to kick a game-tying field goal with a minute 19 left on the clock. On third and 11 from their own 26-yard line, Aaron Rodgers found Jordy Nelson deep down the seam for a 60-yard gain. After quickly spiking the ball, Mason Crosby came on the field and nailed a 32-yard game-winning field goal. Even though this makes me very sad as a Bears fan, uh, it made me very happy as someone who started Jordy Nelson on my fantasy team. So get your close shave like Jordy Nelson with Gillette, the best a man can get. Our best blades for a few dollars a month. Fresh blades delivered to your door, no commitments. You know what would have made me even happier as a Jordy Nelson owner in in the league where I need Kirk Cousins to score 7,000 points? If he would have caught that ball that was right in his hands when he was in the end zone, that would have been even better. Or if he didn't fall over himself in the play you just mentioned. But hey, you know what? Bear down, right? Yes, Bear down, that, is, Chicago that is Bears. very true. I was, uh, I was instantly happy, but also sad that he seemingly stumbled for no reason when he could have run, ran it in for a touchdown. I mean, what was going on? This is Jordy Nelson. He, the, the ball just hit him in the left hand, hit him in the right hand, hit the ground on that one where he was wide open the end zone. He had to jump up, sure, to catch it. But this is a guy, he, he's, he's an easy, he has athletic talent. Should be able to get this done. Anyways, New York Giants at Philadelphia, Thursday night football. The Giants hosted the Lions this week and made them look like the kittens, holding them to two field goals on the day. Eli was effective enough, 201 yards, uh, 201 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions in a low end QB. Two, uh, he's a low end quarterback, two versus Philadelphia. Again, Perkins and Jennings Detroit each uh, destroyed each other's relevance. Perkins, 11 carries, 56 yards. Jennings, 18 carries, 38 yards. They combined for nine points, but fantasy just does not work that way. Um, I'd much rather gamble on Shepard than either of them, which would have paid off this week, like I was hoping. Shepard with four catches on five for 56 yards and a touchdown. Odell Beckham Jr., six catches on eight targets, 64 uh, yards and a touchdown with a fantastic one-handed grab and always the ability to score. I'm sure you've heard about it ad nauseum from ESPN and all the other sports outlets. Fantastic catch, great play, switched hands, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. A wide receiver won this week in Philadelphia. Yeah, so uh, first off, I can already tell this is going to be a very angry podcast tonight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> second off, uh, I, I really... I'll cool it down. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, I, I feel similarly. I've, had, I've run into some poor luck uh, this season. 
But uh, in regards to the Giants, uh, I really don't have a whole lot to add. The Giants have been on a win streak, but most of that has been due to their defense. This offense is really less than stellar. Um, of course, you're starting Odell Beckham, and I agree that Sterling Shepard is the second option on that team right now, and he should be a decent flex play, just given how much Eli Manning looks for him in the red zone. Um, the one other note I will mention real quick is one of those catches by Odell Beckham was clearly an incomplete pass. Uh, hit First the catch of the game. Yeah, hit the ground, and then he somehow shuffled it between his legs. But I guess because it's Odell Beckham Jr., the officials just assumed that he had made some kind of crazy catch. Um, just wanted to note because uh, stat corrections come out on Thursday, but I believe that all the main sites, you know, Yahoo, ESPN, MFL, whatever you use, generally go by whatever the NFL records. So even though it may have been an incomplete pass, um, if they already recorded it as a catch, I don't, I don't think that that will change. Do you? No, they can't change that because that was ruled a catch on the field. That's not something they can go back and switch just like that. Stat corrections are for like, um, if a pass went, you know, actually trajectory backwards instead of forwards, they switch that into a run or stat corrections apply a lot of times in tackles, uh, switching a tackle to somebody who got a tackle or, or, or an assist or something like that, or uh, kicks, uh, you know, field goals that are 39 yarders measured again, and they're actually 40 yarders, things like that. This won't get, this won't get changed. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. But I just wanted to confirm with you on air for our listeners who may own uh, Odell Beckham here. Absolutely. And you might expect something like this again, because this is Roger Goodell's NFL and they're going to do everything they can to get the Giants into the playoffs, get the Giants into the Super Bowl with the Patriots and create that third time showdown so that they can go in there and screw Gronkowski and Brady again. Ooh, you know, honestly, I would love a, another Patriots Giants Super Bowl. That would be just a phenomenal third time's a charm. Yeah, I'd love that rubber. There we go. Well, I guess not really rubber since yeah, the Yeah, they, they're, they're the pants are owing too. Right, so, so, some, some <laughs> so not vengeance, really. Some potential Anyways, back to, back to fantasy. Back to fantasy life. Um, Philadelphia actually played the Ravens a lot tougher than I expected, mostly on the back of the run game somehow, uh, despite Baltimore being the number one rush defense. Uh, Ryan Matthews, 20 carries for 128 yards and a touchdown. This is going to be very tough to repeat versus the Giants, but it may be worth a look and a pinch, unless, of course, Darren Sproles is active. If he's back out of concussion protocol, if he is, then I would shy away from Matthews. I might even go towards Sproles in this game. The Giants' pasty is formidable, and I'd look elsewhere if possible. Um, uh, Jordan Matthews, six catches on 11 targets for 27 yards only. Ertz is one of the better tight end options with a decent floor to his consistent targets, which at this point I actually think is less painful to rely on than the touchdown based inconsistency of these other tight ends. A lot of guys just aren't producing Jimmy Graham, a big time letdown this week because he didn't score a touchdown. Uh, Where's Zach Ertz? He's getting eight to 10 targets a game. You know, he may not score a touchdown, but he'll at least give you something. Yeah, I mean, Zach Ertz is a top five tight end at this point, just given, you know, him being the number one receiving option for the Eagles here. As for me, Jordan Matthews, he'll be a risk-reward wide receiver three in PPR. Um, he didn't do a whole lot after the catch, but he did, excuse me, he did get targeted quite a bunch. And Baltimore, yeah, their defense decided to just roll over and, and screw me in a league uh, where I pick <laughs> them up to stream them. And uh, yeah, uh, that's all I have to say about that, but... Um, Ryan Matthews, he'll be a low on RB2 again if Sproles is out, but it does sound like they're optimistic that Darren Sproles should be playing playing this week. 
Um, if that were the case, then Matthews would fade into a flex option uh, along with Sproles. I think I would have them just about equal simply because Matthews does get the goal line work, but Sproles does so much more in the receiving game. Yeah, I don't like I really don't like either of them against the Giants, so I'd look elsewhere and just to not not to beat it at horse, but just to hammer in a uh, a fantasy football strategy point. Zach Ertz doing quite well, like he said, probably a top five tight end right here in, in championship week. This is a guy who in a ton of leagues was dropped week five, week six, week seven. You can wait on tight end if you need to. I see. I see someone's already moved on to next season. <laughs> <laughs> right uh yeah no i hear you on that uh g- give me the giants on this win streak that they're on yes give me the your new york football giants come in come into philadelphia take out a win all right miami rolls into buffalo um ju- just a just a reminder a lot of this week's games do take place on saturday not sunday it is christmas it is the celebration of uh of the birth of Jesus, although it's generally accepted even in the uh, religious Catholic community that he was born in the middle of spring. Celebration is, of course, on Christmas, so don't forget that. Now, Miami beat up on the Jets. Matt Moore, 236 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Didn't see that coming, but like I said, did not think he'd be that much of a step down from Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill is not great. Moore isn't that much worse. Landry, again, a surprising line, three catches on four targets, 108 yards and a touchdown. Now, don't worry. Two weeks does not change the type of player he is. He's still a high volume type of guy, even though he has not been that later this season. Now, Sims was the top performer versus New York Jets with four catches on four targets, 31 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Now that that's out of the way. Buffalo has not given up on defense like the Jets. They will play hard, and Rex Ryan will get after Matt Moore. I'm avoiding this entire passing offense. Jay Ajayi, this is only, uh, was only 19 carries for 51 yards versus Jets. He gets the bulk of the work and is an RB2 this week in Buffalo, but Buffalo is a tougher defense, so, so don't forget that. Yeah, really, despite the long touchdown for Jarvis Landry, I really see that as an outlier and, and more of a b- byproduct of the Jets just being, you know, terrible and giving up right now. Um, I would start. Daryl Jay- Revis has a, has taken a vacation to Revis Island. He's not even he's just he's not playing. He's just, you know, collecting a paycheck and chilling in the sun. Yeah, and I mean, can you really blame him at this point in the season, given, you know, the kind of season that I can. Had? He's getting paid. <laughs> um but yeah i mean jj uh he'll be a low end rb2 simply because he's you know the workhorse in this offense uh as you mentioned buffalo is a much better opponent who uh does actually have something to play for so i do expect them to play tough on defense um and while landry is upside he's he still has a low floor with mr matt moore under center so he's he's still that risk reward flex player wide receiver three Don't touch this team. Now, Buffalo, on the other hand, they secured a win versus Cleveland led by another great LaShawn McCoy day. 19 carries, 153 yards, two touchdowns, adding three catches for 16. He's locked in as a running back one. Nothing to say there. Now, Mike Gillisley, again with a touchdown of his own, nine carries for 37 yards. I think he's a legitimate flex, really, this week. Um, Now, Tyrod, 174 yards, one touchdown, added 50 yards on the ground, a 15-point day. And again, Charles Clay paid off in a big way, seven catches, 72 yards and a touchdown, but I'm actually not expecting as good a day versus Miami. He's worked his way back into the weekly discussion at tight end. Um, but again, I, I, I'm not expecting, you know, a, a three back to back to back week of success for him. Uh, all, all of the above did of course add to a pretty mocha, uh, sorry, <clears throat> 
all of the above added to a pretty mediocre day for all of the wide receivers on the team. The guys I already talked about got really all of the touches here. Watkins was only one for one of four for 10 yards, but I do like him as a high end wide receiver three here. Expect a little more production for him, a little less for Charles Clay. Yeah, um, I don't really disagree with anything that you said there. I will just add that Tyrod Taylor is a high upside QB2. His floor is generally pretty solid due to the rushing yardage, um, even given his struggles with accuracy issues this season. Um, and the other thing is really Mike Gilsley kind of reminds me of a, a slightly more involved Bilal Powell. Um, McCoy's still the workhorse back here, and he got two touchdowns of his own, so I'm not too worried about the vultures. But um, yeah, I think Gillisley is a high-ceiling, low-floor flex option, just you know, be ready for a couple touchdowns, but also be ready for three carries for, you know, 12 yards. Yep. That, that could also happen. Absolutely. Um, I think Buffalo goes into, or goes into their home stadium and uh, beats Miami. Uh, just really beat up on Matt Moore this game. I think Rex is going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. I expect Rex to dial up some exotic blitzes here. Uh, I do think Miami will kind of hang in there, but uh, give me Buffalo at home. Mm-hmm. Another AFC East showdown, New York Jets go into New New England. The Jets embarrass themselves yet again, and they slide into another awful matchup in New England. Uh, they should just not show up. This is going to be ugly. Bryce Petty's in concussion protocol. Also, his chest is hurt. Uh, early word is that he is going to play this game. Take that and make it what you will. I don't I don't really care. Fitz got in and surprised through another interception, zero touchdowns. Petty and Anderson hooked up for 80 yards and a touchdown. But if Fitz, Fitz starts, Anderson is not a play for your championship team. Brandon Marshall, one catch on 11 targets. 16 yards at least he was thrown to but i really can't start him here either no matter who the starter is fort played a bit with his torn meniscus and will likely play again but how much how, how many looks is he really going to get um enough to cut into powell's time because powell had a great day a great night actually 16 carries for 84 yards 11 on 12 for 78 but will they lean more on Forte to test his knee, show it off for an off-season trade suitors? Maybe. If I was a GM, if I was a coach, I'm, I might really be tempted to do that here. I, I don't really know what's going on with the running back situation. They, they brought in Forte in garbage time, which doesn't make sense if, if the reason that he didn't start was due to limitations with the knee injury. Right. Um, I don't really get that move. Uh, I think they're both just flex plays right now because I have no idea, you know, who's going to start or how many carries Forte and Powell are going to respectively get. Um, but but the thing is, for me, I'm looking at the game flow in this game against the Patriots. The Jets are going to be trailing all game. I, I do think yeah. that Powell is going to get a bit more usage in PPR. He would be a high end flex play for me. And Forte, just a, a risk reward running back three. I, I just really don't know about Forte. Um, and yeah, uh, reports are that Bryce Petty's chest injury is minor. So assuming he starts Robbie Anderson, he'll stay a high on wide receiver three, got you 18 points in PPR this past week. Certainly happy about that. If you took a chance on him. Um, and I just don't see how you can trust Marshall or Nunwa at this point. You'd have to be in either incredibly desperate or in a very deep 16, 20 team league, something like that. If you're locked into starting Brandon Marshall and you're that desperate, then you just have not been paying attention at all this season. There have been tons of better wide receiver options. That's on you, man. Yeah, if you're if you're starting Brandon Marshall and have just no better options on the waiver wire, then instead of listening to this podcast, you should just be like praying right now. That's 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 all you father into your hands. I commend my spirit. All right. Uh speaking of the father, Bill Belichick and the Patriots, TB twelve. 
put up quarterback three numbers this past game, seven fantasy points on the day versus Denver. I'll give myself a minor pat on the back for that one. He will fare much better here. He returns to quarterback one play. Blunt was surprisingly limited. They sold out to stop him. Seven carries for only 31 yards. He did pick up a touchdown, nine points on the day for you. Lewis had a nice day, 18 carries for 95 yards, um, two of three in the past game for nine yards. White, three for 11 with three for 24. Lewis has supplanted White for now. That said, you know, let's not forget that this is the New England Patriots who had, um, oh gosh, the guy's name escapes me right now, but he had four touchdowns on the ground, 200 yards, and then they benched him and never played him again. Uh, you, if you can help me out, you can come up with yeah, his name. Uh, Jonas Gray. That's the guy. That's the guy. Uh, Denver clearly pl- came to play. Edelman did maintain PPR value, six catches on 12 targets, 75 yards, but the rest were held down. Bennett only two for 35 Mitchell one for 11 Edelman here in this game is a wide receiver two. Mitchell, a wide receiver four versus the New York jets. I expect Bennett to have a little bit better day here. Really? Mitchell's just a wide receiver four for you. Um, for me, I mean, Malcolm Mitchell, he's a high end wide receiver three or flex play here. Um, the Jets secondary is very, very beatable. And I expect the Patriots to just go to town on this divisional rival. Um, for me, Brady is top three Q- QB this week. Um, and really, we're seeing Deion Lewis get more carries, even in addition to his contributions in the passing game. Um, it, it's, you know, it's kind of like New England's finally waking up and with him healthy, uh, you know, he's one of their best weapons along with Edelman right now in the passing game. I think that he's going to continue to get more involved. Uh, of course, that doesn't make him a safe play, but I think at this point, I really don't know the usage between him and Blunt is going to be all that different. Uh, Blunt may get a few more carries here, but I'll take... I'll take uh, Deion Lewis as a high-end flex play over LeGarrette Blunt, And then Edelman, he'll be a fine wide receiver too in PPR as per usual. And and really, I, I guess I'm a lot more optimistic on Malcolm Mitchell than you are. I think that he's become, you know, the best outside receiver here. And I think if it were not for the bad matchup versus Denver, he's really the number one over Edelman at this point. Um, to me, Mark Martellus Bennett, he looks a bit healthier with that ankle. I just don't know how much, how much the Patriots are going to need uh, to use him in this game just because they can really throw to anybody against this Jets secondary. Um, probably just a low end tight end for me, uh, excuse me, tight end one for me as he could get a, a score here in the red zone. But other than that, I just don't know that he's going to get thrown to that much. Sure. The only, the only reason I want to point this out here is that um, the Patriots of late have used Tom Brady a little less in the past game towards the end of the season. They are rolling right into the playoffs. I don't think they're going to take their foot off the accelerator, but they may run a couple fewer pass plays just to keep Tom Brady healthy, especially against the divisional opponent, especially against the divisional opponent that hates the Patriots long time rivalry between the jets and new England. Sure, but I think we're actually seeing that Julian Edelman's playing uh, a, a lot fewer snaps uh, in the the recent few games, and I think that they're going to use Mitchell more and try to preserve Edelman as one of their uh, you know high end weapons here. Now, what do you think about the John Brown signing? Does this affect anything? Because I I don't well I don't know I don't think it does. I guess I you know gave that away, but I I don't actually think it does whatsoever. You mean Michael Floyd? I'm sorry. Yes. John Brown's still writhing away yeah. in Arizona with sickle self. My um, bad. Yeah. I mean, for fantasy purposes, he, do, he doesn't need to be picked up uh, unless you're playing Brandon Marshall, in which case maybe I would take a chance on Michael Floyd. <laughs> oh, good God. <laughs> All right. Uh, g- give me the jets here on the road. Really? That's a no, joke. Right? Come on. All get right. out of here. Hey, sometimes I can't really tell sarcasm over, uh, over radio, you know, do you think I'm going to pick against the Patriots? Absolutely not. 
and neither will you. No, not at all. Tennessee at Jacksonville. Now, Tennessee beat Kansas City in the final seconds on a, on a buzzer-beating field goal. They should not need to fight that hard to win this week in Jacksonville. Mariota is not running the football as much lately, and I wouldn't risk it either uh, with these two great running backs behind him. Uh, DeMarco Murray, 18 carries for 89 yards, five catches on six for 52. Uh, Henry, nine for 58 and two touchdowns. DeMarco Murray's a running back one. Uh, Derrick Henry's a low end running back two for me this this week. Uh, expect Tennessee to lean heavily on the run in Jacksonville. Uh, Richard Matthews did turn in four catches on ten targets, 105 yards. He had a lot of looks his way. Still had a solid day uh, despite the matchup. Uh, he may break one deep like he did here in Kansas City. We do know Kansas City is beatable on certain plays. He's a wide receiver three for me this week. A fairly solid one. Delaney Walker six on seven for 55. A low end. T- tight end one with one. He's one of those solid floor tight ends. One of those guys that I'd like a little better this week. Yeah. I like, I like uh, Rashard Matthews, but he's just a low end wide receiver three. Again, the Jacksonville secondary has been playing pretty well. Um, and then I'm fine with Delaney Walker as a low end tight end one, but I would hesitate to put Derrick Henry as a low end RB two just yet. He's still just a flex play for me. I, I think that while we can certainly see that his usage is ramping up, um, his touches are just still so game flow dependent. While I do think that Tennessee is going to kind of nurse a, a bigger lead against Jacksonville, um, I, there's just no guarantee that he's going to get as many touches as he has in near the goal line. I, I still think DeMarco Murray is quote unquote, you know, the guy that they rely on more. So um, he, he's certainly a boom bust flex option, but I, I don't think the floor is safe enough to put him into that RB two mix. Well, the reason I throw him up there is just because Jacksonville is known to have a more solid, more stout passing defense, much more so than their running defense. Um, and I don't see any reason that they don't just run the ball 45 times this game. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I don't argue with it. I just don't have him there. All right, all right. Jacksonville lost in an ugly one in Houston. Don't expect them to look much better. Ex- actually, expect them to look much worse in Tennessee. Ivory 10 for 44. Yeldon 8 for 28. Uh, 8 for 28, tacking on 5 of 7 for 34. He's the only player I'd consider on this team. A running back flex and a PPR. Allen Robinson, 2 of 8 for 15. Lee, 0 of 3. Brian Walters, 2 of 5 for 26. And that, I think, covers just about everyone you can name on this entire offense. Um, except, of course, Julius Thomas, who is not on this offense. He's on the IR. I think he broke his tailbone. I, I stopped following him. Yeah, um, Yeldon's really the only quote-unquote safe play in PPR. Uh, even then, just an RB3 or flex play. Uh, although I will say that if, you're, if you've made it to the finals and you're a big underdog in the matchup, um, there could be some garbage time opportunities for Allen Robinson here. We saw him have some of that in the first matchup. Of course, he's a risk-reward wide receiver four at this point, but uh, you know, if you're a glass-half-full kind of person, uh, maybe this head coach, you know, switcheroo will help them. Doug Marone serving as the interim head coach after Gus Bradley got fired. Maybe that gives the offense in general a little kick in the butt. But, man, it, it would be a big risk to play anyone on the Jaguars here. Allen Robinson or Brandon Marshall? Gut check time. Your, first, your second rounder versus your third rounder Allen in the Robinson. championship. Allen Robinson, just because the the Tennessee secondary is more susceptible than the New England secondary. I'm with you there. Give me Tennessee. Probably give you Tennessee. Yep. All right. NFC North, Minnesota at Green Bay. AP's return was marred by the ineffectiveness of the Minnesota offense. The Colts destroyed their 
defense too made him look silly only 19 carries for this game regardless i expect AP, ap to be worked back in slowly uh looks to be shared between the three backs mckinnon and asiata that's way too much split to start any of those three uh Diggs was held a two of five for 13 there was a rare charles johnson sighting five of five for 50 uh but the benefactor of the past game was kyle rudolph eight of ten for 97 this uh, that was a bad indianapolis defense i i don't think I can change much of my opinion based on the way Minnesota was completely dominated. Diggs is still a low end wide receiver two versus Green Bay. Rudolph, a good floor tight end, a guy I like this week. Adam Thielen was knocked into the concussion protocol with about 18 other people this week too. Yeah, that is that is not how I expected that game to go. To be honest with you, um, no, <laughs> I don't know how you could trust anyone on this team outside of Diggs and Rudolph. Diggs would be a, a high ceiling, low floor flex play at this point, and Rudolph is still in that low end tight end one mix. He's getting plenty of targets, and the Green Bay secondary, as we saw with Matt Barkley, can be beat. Um, yeah, this is just, I mean, I, like, I, yeah, I thought an that, abomination. You know, I didn't Disgusting. think Minnesota was going to continue to go undefeated after a 5-0 and start, but uh, I did not expect this kind of collapse. Uh, this, this was just ugly. That's right. Uh, upside, Green Bay completed the season sweep of Chicago. Thank you for that. With Rodgers limited to 250 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Now, Ty Montgomery, 16 carries off. 62 yards, two touchdowns, a career day on my bench. It was quite nice, quite, quite nice. Huge day for him, and he's he shined in that workload. Christian Michael actually looked really good, too, in limited work. Four carries for 45 yards and a touchdown. Busted out a big-time 42-yard touchdown run. Now, Minnesota did look bad. I'd still caution against Ty Montgomery as more than a running back three here. Uh, I don't expect Rodgers to have another zero-touchdown day and and Michael doing so little on the ground. Of course, he does have upside there, so so there is that. Now, Jordy Nelson, as we already talked about him, he did have seven catches for 124 yards low end tight end a uh, low end uh, wide receiver one versus minnesota he should have had another another touchdown but did drop it right from his hands like i talked about Devonte adams only two for 25 with two drop touchdown passes he's a wide receiver two here randall cobb he's a complete avoid for me zero catch on one target and is that cam newton down on the ground yeah he did. yeah that's not good mm, yeah um anyway back to this game preview so it looks like you know, last week on the podcast, I talked about how I thought that the Chicago game was kind of a trap game for Aaron Rodgers owners, and I pegged him yeah. as a low-end QB1 due to the calf injury and the weather, and uh, unfortunately, that's that's what ended up happening as I did start him in a league. Um, really, I mean, he could have had a decent day. That's why I still had him as a QB1. I didn't expect quite this this poor of a game. Uh, Devontae Adams did have two touchdown passes that he just dropped um certainly wasn't happy about that but you know even though the Colts beat up on Minnesota this is going to be a divisional game and and the Vikings don't want to just hand over the NFC North I do think that there's they still have some fight in them and this is going to be um I mean not necessarily a bounce back week but at least a week where they they try and fix things and I think I'm more optimistic on Ty Montgomery than you I, I tweeted out earlier in the week how much I love Ty Montgomery this past week um, for me, I don't think he's in uh, run, running back one, but I think he's in that low end, mid end RB two mix. Uh, I expect it to be in again in a very cold game, and really the offense to plan to be more run heavy for the Packers. Um, re real quick question for you: I, I know you're real high on Derrick Henry this week. Would you rather start Henry or Montgomery? 
Oh, that is a really good question. Uh, I think I have Montgomery just over Henry, but it's pretty darn close. I'm just not as excited as I mean, this was Montgomery's career day. He may never see these numbers again. Yeah, I'm not expecting another game like that, but I would take Montgomery over over Henry just because I think he has a higher floor and higher ceiling. Sure, sure. Um, all right, moving on to the receivers. Of course, you're starting Jordy Nelson. He'll be in that solid wide receiver one mix. Um, and then Devontae Adams, still that boom bust high end wide receiver three. He could big some he could break some big plays. They really uh I mean, he had two touchdowns. He just didn't hold on to them and you know, hopefully he'll make uh make better uh decisions or not decisions, make better plays when he has those opportunities. Uh certainly if you owned him and started him, you were not happy with those two drops in the end zone. Um, and then, yeah, uh, I'm not avoiding Randall Cobb at all at all costs, though we are seeing that the Minnesota secondary isn't quite as lethal with Harrison Smith out with that ankle injury. Uh, certainly helps Rodgers, Jordy, and Adams. Uh, and as for Jared Cook, he's a high-ceiling, low-floor tight end, too. Really, do you feel lucky? And personally, I think you have better options out there at tight end. Yeah, your strong safety may be the most important player on the defense. I mean, Seattle's seeing it with with um, Earl Thomas out. Same idea. Yeah, um, give me Green Bay. Yeah, Green Bay wins this one, absolutely. San Diego uh, walks into Cleveland. San Diego lost another tough one at home versus the, versus the Oakland Raiders. Should have ha- They should have an easier path in Cleveland. Rivers is a quarterback one for me. Uh, it seems report of Hillman's inexistence in this offense were greatly overstated. Neither running back was very effective. Farrow 15 for 39 with two catches on three for 14 with an added two fumbles, one lost only. Uh, that that was on my roster instead of Ty Montgomery, so that was pretty cool, I guess. Uh, Ronnie Hillman, seven carries for 34. I do prefer Farrow, but both are just mere RB3s. Um, early word is that Gordon may be back for this game. Uh, the past game never got going here. Williams, four of nine for 20. Travis Benjamin, two of three for 56 and touchdown. Inman, five of eight for 68. That's six points, 13 points, and 11 points for those counting. Williams is getting the fewest fantasy points here, but Rivers does work the ball towards him more than the others. He's he's the top option off in this offense if he's healthy going into this game. This is just a very off day for Rivers. I still like the wide receivers here as upside plays, as well as both the tight ends, uh, especially against Cleveland here. Yeah, I think Rivers will be just fine against Cleveland. He'll be a mid to low end QB1 with upside this week. Um, and even though Melvin Gordon sounds like he's getting healthier, I don't expect them to play. They, they've got nothing on the line here. There's no reason to risk their second-year young running back uh, for no reason. And for me, if, if you know Melvin Gordon is out again, I like Kenneth Farrow again as a flex option, maybe even a low-end RB2, um, just because of how terrible Cleveland has been at stopping the run. Um, Farrow particularly will be a good play in DFS because... I think a lot of owners who started him last week in daily are going to shy away from him. And I think this is a great matchup and he's still getting, you know, twice as much work as Ronnie Hillman. Um, for me of the three wide receivers, Williams, Benjamin and Inman, they're all going to be wide receiver threes, but I actually like Dontrell Inman the best out of three. There's really no difference in usage or coverage uh, with Cleveland. It's just that he seems to be the most involved given that, Williams is playing through that shoulder injury and, and Benjamin still isn't looking quite a hundred percent with that earlier knee injury in the season. Um, I, if I had to take one of the three, I would go with Inman and then for the tight end, Antonio Gates and Hunter Henry are just splitting snaps here. Both are just tight end twos. 
Uh, although Cleveland is pretty bad against uh, defending against the tight end as well in the passing game. Um, I, I would have Gates over Henry slightly, uh, both just in that mid-end, tight end two range. Yeah, Hunter Henry has not been great as of late, but I do think for you guys out of the playoffs and dynasty of the leagues, he, he's a target to, to own. This guy's going to be a good tight end for the next five, ten years. I, I really like this kid a lot. Um, now on the Cleveland side of the football, Cleveland loses to Buffalo uh, predictably as RG3 also predictably tanked his entire offense's fantasy value. Crowell, 8 for 28. That's it. Coleman, 3 of 4 for 24. That's it. Terrell Pryor. Hey, remember when he was a wide receiver one? 4 of 8 for 19. That's it. The top producer in this offense, Duke Johnson, 5 of 31, uh, 5 on 7 for 62, a 14-point day. But I'm not betting on a repeat. RG3 looked hapless as a passer and ran from his pocket like an elephant that just saw a mouse. Uh, 8 of 38 with a rushing touchdown running around back there. I'm not touching this offense, despite the good defensive matchup here versus San Diego. Uh, how fitting and truly hilarious would this be, though? Um, now, just to touch on this, if Cleveland picked up their lone victory uh, in a fourth quarter meltdown from San Diego, how fitting would that be? That would just be amazing. I mean, honestly, it wouldn't shock me, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, as for the fantasy options, I think both Duke and Crowell are just low on flex plays. I can't imagine starting either um, again against your, unless you're desperate, but we have seen that Crowell can bust a long touchdown run here and there. And, uh, Duke could get quite a few catches to kind of pad his PPR stats. Um, the thing with Swell Pryor is he's already been so boomer bust this season. And now, um, was that, oh, that was not Jameson Crowder. That makes me very no. sad. Um, oh, we'll get there just next. <sighs> Don't you worry. Hopefully. Um, but, you know, we saw with, uh, you know, Terrell Pryor, I was saying, was boomer bust all season, really. But now with a torn ligament in his finger, um, and the thing with wide receivers is, you know, they kind of need their fingers to catch the ball. Um, we saw with Sammy They're Coates. They're sort of important. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, you know, we saw with Sammy Coates that any kind of finger injury really limits a wide receiver in his ability to catch the ball. And again, Pryor was already so boomer bust. This is this makes him just a wide receiver four for me. I would shy away from starting him at, if at all possible. Um, and if you're actually, you're truly desperate, I would take a shot on Corey Coleman. There's a chance that he's kind of the number one target now with prior hurts, uh, especially if he's out for this game, uh, he's, he'd be an upside wide receiver for play. Sure. I guess uh, just to re-echo the sentiment, sentiments of last week, all your fingers, pretty important. Yeah. Uh, give me the chargers. Yeah. The chargers should win this one, but how funny would that be if they do end up losing? Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, it would not shock me. No, uh, Washington at Chicago. Um, just a quick update on this game. Kirk Cousins has not scored 500,000 points like I need him to, but that's okay. Uh, it's always interesting to see the work split for the big wide receiver, big three wide receivers in Washington. Packers showed how beatable the Chicago secondary can be when big plays are needed. Three big touchdowns were dropped by Green Bay wide receivers. It should not have been a close game, and this Washington game may not be close. If DJX or Crowder can shake it deep, Kirk will likely connect on a couple deep touchdowns here. I like Cousins as a quarterback one here. Uh, R. Kelly should keep his keys in the ignition once again. He's a running back too. Uh, Jordan Reed should be back and healthy for this game. He's out there on the field right now. Yeah, but I mean, for me, Reed, he hasn't really done much. I think that shoulder's still bothering him. Um, of course, he's always got the high upside, but... 
I don't know. He's he's still just a high-end tight end two for me, maybe a low-end tight end one. Uh, like I said, he's a threat to score, but again, they might really need not need him to do a whole lot against the Chicago defense. Kind of kind of like the argument that I made for Martellus Bennett. I just think that Cousins is going to be able to find plenty of open options. Um, and yeah, I think he's a QB one, and Kelly should be a high-end RB two given what Ty Montgomery did to the Chicago defense. Um, as for the wide receivers, kind of like how Jordy Nelson hit that big play, Deshaun Jackson is certainly known for that. Um, he'll be a boomer bust high-end wide receiver three. Uh, and then Garcon and Crowder will also both be wide receiver threes. Uh, I, I think that Washington is just going to keep rolling here. Yeah, now Chicago, uh, two two positives from this game. They played the pack pretty tough, which was nice to see, and they still lost, uh, getting themselves closer to a higher pick there. Matt Barkley, 362 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. This this is a problem here. This terrifies me that he may be looking effective enough that ownership might actually consider him as a reasonable starter going forward in the next few years. Please, just absolutely not. Uh, Jordan Howard, 17 on 90 for a touchdown, 4-4 four four for 23 through the air. A running back one here versus Washington. Elshon Jeffrey, 6 on 9 targets for 89 and a touchdown. He paid off for the gamblers out there. Uh, Would have paid off for me if I owned him. Otherwise, Josh Bellamy got a short touchdown, only 10 yards on the day. But Cameron Meredith, 9 on 13 for 104. And Deontay Thompson, 8 of 10 for 110 yards. I have to admit, even as a Bears fan, I have no idea who who that is. Uh, I guess there's three wide receiver spots in this offense with White and Royal out. And Washington should score points, making Chicago have to keep up. But how do you endorse any of those other two options? Uh, especially Jeff Bellamy is still there to, to soak up targets. Um, I, I really can't touch any of those guys other than Elshon Jeffrey. And right here, Elshon Jeffrey is going to draw Josh Norman. So it's really not that enticing of options here. Um, I'm actually pretty far apart with you on, on the bears for this week. Uh, well, number, number one, I'm going to disagree with you on Matt Barkley. Um, is he the long-term answer? Uh, definitely not, but I, I, hope would, not. I would actually have no issue with him, you know, uh, starting next year over, you know, whoever we draft at quarterback while they kind of get acquainted to the league. I think he's a, he's a backup quarterback in the league, but I think he'll, you know, be a cheaper deal than Brian Hoyer. Um, you know, that said, for fantasy purposes, Barkley will be a decent QB2. Uh, of course, you're starting Jordan Howard. He'll be a solid uh, low-end RB1. He's seeing enough touches, and he's certainly very talented. And then for, as, in terms of Alshon Jeffrey, I liked him last week uh, against Green Bay, and I like him again. I don't think that we're going to see Josh Norman shadow him. Um, I think Norman is going to stick to the one side here. Uh, I don't think Alshon's quite in that tier of, you know, top number one wide receivers for Norman to shadow for this game plan. Um, and especially because Washington is playing tonight, they'll be on a short week. Uh, they won't be quite as rested. I, I do think that there's potential for the Bears to break a few big plays here. Um, Alshon's back in that low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three mix for me. Um, and then Deontay Thompson, he's uh, he's been playing a lot of special teams this year, but with Josh Bellamy just being terrible, uh, Josh Bellamy, Mr. Stonehands, dropping everything i expect more of uh, deontay thompson and both he and cameron meredith are going to be you know those low-end flex plays high-end wide receiver fours uh, especially in ppr yeah i agree with you on the fantasy aspect uh, for the most part but for it, from the quarterback standpoint like i i th- I think that's the biggest farce out there. I hope never to see Matt Barkley start another game after this year. Do you know what good NFL caliber quarterbacks don't need? And it's the biggest farce ever because you don't need time to to, time to time to develop. Look at Dak Prescott. Look at Carson Wentz. Look what Andrew Luck did his rookie year. 
great quarterback, good quarterbacks, starting caliber quarterbacks do not need to sit there and wait. But but look at how well Jared Goff's been playing after he sat for a few games. Exactly. He's <laughs> terrible. He sat and he's awful. You're absolutely right. Uh, Point George Lowe's. All right. Fair. I mean, certainly, uh, certainly can make that argument. All right. Give me the team that isn't the Bears. Yep. Times two. All right. All right, Captain Kirk. Atlanta at Carolina in a semi-important uh, NFC South matchup. Uh, wow, what a showing for Atlanta versus San Francisco. The Carolina D is better, but certainly not scary. Matt Ryan, 280 yards, two touchdowns. I could envision actually a very similar line here. Uh, Devontae Freeman now, 20 carries, 139 yards, three touchdowns, two catches for 16. That's why you don't bench your studs against bad teams. Uh, Tevin Coleman, 14 carries for 58 yards, two catches for eight only. He's a flex here to Freeman's running back one. Conversely, Julio was set like we were thinking he might have been. But there's already talk of him working into this lineup versus Carolina. You certainly can't sit him all the way into the playoffs. This is a guy who needs, I mean, you need to work your guys out. You have to be football ready. Uh, now, Gabriel left for a few plays with an alleged shoulder injury, but he did return. He was very minimally effective after his return. Three of six for 60 and a touchdown with most of these stats prior to leaving the game. Sanu just three for 44. He does not have Gabriel's upside whatsoever. Aldrick Robinson actually had a surprising line four for 111, but expect this all to change with Julio's return. Julio's wide receiver one. Gabriel is an upside wide receiver three this week versus Carolina. Yeah, I think I'm fine with your evaluations on Ryan and, and Freeman and Coleman. Um, but as for the wide receivers, I think partially, you know, why we saw more Algic Robinson is because Austin Hooper left this game with a knee injury. Um, that looks pretty serious. I think he's doubtful to play right now. Um, and actually, I think that makes Gabriel a solid play, assuming Julio's back. He was, uh, it sounded like he was close to playing this week, but they decided to kind of give him another week off to to come back and Really, I believe that if Julio Jones practices and is active against Carolina, then he's going to be involved in the game plan and not just a decoy. Uh, I'll be starting him if he plays as a, as a maybe not as a wide receiver one in his first game back, but certainly a high-end wide receiver two, pretty close to it. Um, and then Gabriel and Sanu would both be flex plays, but it sounds like Sanu re-injured something. Um, neither is fully healthy right now. I'll still take the upside of Gabriel with that speed. Yeah, uh, there, there you go. As for the Carolina side of the football, this may be a hot take here, but the bottom line is Air Atlanta does not have anybody who can match up with Benjamin. I think he's a low-end wide receiver, too, here after being after weeks of wide receiver four, wide receiver three value. Um, this should be a moderately high-scoring game, and somebody has to score the points, I don't, I, and I think Benjamin's going to be the one to do it. Cam will also likely rush for a touchdown here. Jonathan Stewart's a mid-range running back, too, for me, showing continued goal line work as of late. Olsen's, of course, a tight end one. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you on Kelvin Benjamin. I think the upside is certainly there, uh, especially with um, Desmond Trufant out. But at the same time, I think that they've kind of phased him out of the receiving game. Um, I mean, he's still involved, but he's no longer that locked on number one as he was a couple of years ago. Um, I, I think they're, they're going to trail a lot here, actually. And I don't love Jonathan Stewart as more than a back-end RB2. I see a lot of Fozzie Whitaker being used in the passing game while they're down. Um, and then again, Ginn and Bel Benjamin are just high end wide receiver force for me. And I would still much rather have Ted Ginn than Kelvin Benjamin this week. All right. Uh, give me Atlanta. Um, yeah, I don't think this will be as big of a blowout as some people might think, but I will take the Falcons. 
No. Uh, divisional matchups, always tough. Indianapolis at Oakland, not a divisional matchup, but Indianapolis did show us what they could have been doing the entire year with the talent that they employ. Holton, 3 of 7 for 45. Dorsett, 1 of 50 for a touchdown. That's exactly the type of player he's supposed to be. 3 of 50 for a touchdown for Swoop. Jack Doyle, 4 of 32. Allen only one of 13 minus Minecraft being inactive. This is exactly the type of line I expect from a quarterback of Lux caliber 250, two touchdowns, zero, zero interceptions. We've been waiting to see this inconsistency since his rookie year happened. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll happen to close the season. Gore had a nice day with 26 for one of one, four catches for 14 yards, but could have been a great day. Urban coming in to steal two goal line touchdowns. Very frustrating for me. Uh, also, Gore sitting there on my active roster with Ty Montgomery sitting on the bench. Very nice. He's a high-end running back, too, here in Oakland, who should be a running back one if it weren't for all this turban garbage and nonsense. Uh, monitor for Minecraft's return, which would slot him in as a low-end wide receiver, too, here versus, of course, that porous Oakland defense. And there's uh, Ted Ginn paying off in the end zone, just like you expected. Yeah, like I said, I, I will take him over Kelvin Benjamin. He's got more upside for those bigger plays. Nobody covered him. I could have scored that. <laughs> Good. Now now Washington will need to throw more to Mr. Crowder, and hopefully uh, he'll he'll have a similarly long touchdown. Um, but back to Indy here, uh, I don't disagree. Yes, please. With, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't disagree with anything that you said particularly. Uh, the one thing I will add, though, is Eric Swope. He's an interesting tight end prospect. Uh, he's one of those basketball converts. Um, and Jack Doyle's contract is up at the end of the season. We saw them let Kobe Fleener walk. Uh, we'll see if Doyle is back. Um, and if not, it would be Swope and Dwayne Allen. And, and Allen is constantly missing time due to injuries. He could be a nice tight end stash for 2017. Why do you keep saying it like that? Sw swoop. Say it. Swoop. Uh, it's actually pronounced Swope, but, you know, that's all right. You've, you've got problems, man. Now, the Raiders... <laughs> The Raiders won this last game with a tougher fight than expected, but as soon as it was tied in the fourth, I knew Oakland would be absolutely fine. San Diego fell apart yet again. Carr's, uh, Carr with just 213 for one touchdown, one interception, but he's a quarterback again. A quarterback one again here for me versus Indianapolis. Uh, Crabtree, six for 60 and a touchdown. Cooper, only one for 28. I like Crabtree again more than Cooper at this point. Seth Roberts continues to take red zone targets, and Cooper's sort of been off here. Uh, they've been targeting him to, to stop with these defenses. Crabtree's a wide receiver, too. Cooper's just a high-end wide receiver here, uh, wide receiver three here for me in Indianapolis. Latavius Murray continued his season with 13 carries for 81 yards, one-on-one uh, -on -one for 11 through the air. He was stuffed at the goal line twice, but did get the goal line opportunities. He's a running back one versus an Indianapolis. Now, there were 11 other carries for running backs here. Richard, six for 36. Washington, five for 23. But Murray is still getting more than 50% despite the timeshare here, which is what we saw earlier this year. And he does get the touchdowns in this offense. You know, we're actually disagreeing a lot this week. Uh, I'm not touching Derek Carr. I think that finger is still bothering him. He's been a QB two, if 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 even a QB two, the last couple of weeks since that finger injury against Buffalo. Just 19 completions on 30 pass attempts in the in this game against San Diego. Um, he's a mid to low end QB two for me. I would look for better options on the waiver wire if you've made it thus far with him. Um, and then with the Raiders' offensive line being their strength, I, I think they're going to run Latavius Murray a ton. He's been playing well. I think Del Rio's going to try to grind down Indy's defense with the run game. I like him as a you know high-end RB2 with upside on this one. Um, and then along with Derek Carr, I, I really don't love Crabtree or Cooper. He's been inaccurate. He hasn't been throwing the ball well. 
Um, they're just boomer bust flex plays for me. Uh, I certainly Crabtree got that touchdown this past game, and uh, Indy's secondary is susceptible, but we've seen low floors for both guys, and you might have better options uh, if you're playing these guys at wide receiver. I, I really don't love anyone in the passing offense as long as Carr's finger is still hurt. Do you think anybody's selling low on Cooper in a in a dynasty, or is that completely is that completely outlandish? Um, I don't think so, but I think if we see another bad game, that would make it at you know four or five bad games. You could certainly give it a shot. Give them to me. I love this. I love this Raiders offense. Yeah, uh, if you can get them cheap, certainly. Give me, give me, give me the radars this uh, this game at home versus Indy. Uh, I don't think it, uh, I, I wouldn't say it as quick as you just did, but uh, yeah, I will take the Raiders as well. Yeah. All right. Tampa Bay at new Orleans, NFC South matchup. Winston had a rough night in Dallas, 250 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions, very similar line to Matt Barkley. Actually, he should be better in new Orleans, but is just a high end quarterback too. not really paying off the way that, uh, that, that I had hoped, uh, Martin more limited than I expected. 16 carries for 42 yards. Sims only three carries for four yards. This team struggled to get it going completely over versus Dallas. The top performer is Cameron Bray, five catches on eight targets for 73 and a touchdown. Evans held to just four of eight for 59. Winston not connecting well with him. He's still a wide receiver, one low end, but he just gets a sheer volume of targets. You're definitely not benching him versus New Orleans. Uh, Martin's a running back too with passing down work going to Sims here uh, and as of late. Yeah, both teams kind of played that chew-the-clock style football, which really limited the fantasy production this game. And and that's what Tampa Bay's been doing the last few games. I see them, you know, continuing this as Jameis Winston, even though he's throwing less to Evans, which hurts him as a fantasy wide receiver, it's helping them win games, chew the clock, not make as many mistakes. Um, And really, for for me here, Jameis Winston, he'll be a high-end QB too. Um, And I think Martin's still a fine mid-range RB too. But Evans is back down to a low-end wide receiver one. We just haven't seen the big games with, you know, 15, 20 targets from him lately. And I think really they're not trying to throw as much. And really the reduced targets hurts him. Uh, But that said, he's still got so much upside. We saw, you know, in in catch-up mode, Jameis Winston just overthrew Evans. But, you know, by fingertips um, on a big bomb last night, uh, you know, he might have been able to take it to the house if it had been thrown just like one yard uh, shorter but he's still got that immense upside as with Julio I'm not benching Mike Evans uh, if he's playing then he's playing for my fantasy team and Cameron Braid he's a solid low end tight end one at this point he's kind of one of uh, Jameis Winston's go-to receivers when Evans is covered well, we're here. This is this is the team that's that's ruined by week. I have been dreading talking about them Breeze has officially moved from the naughty list to the really naughty list. Just when I cut bait on my support for him, he goes and reminds me not to buy into recency bias. 389 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. How frustrating. You bet that all happened squarely on my bench. I guess he's a quarterback one. Mark Ingram, 17 of 78, two on four for 14. Hightower, 11 for 37 and two touchdowns. Saints just decided to finally wake up. Brandon Cooks, seven for 186 yards and two touchdowns. Mike Thomas, seven of 52 for a touchdown. Willie Sneed, eight of 76. Oren PPR points, 37 points, 18 and 15. When it rains, it really pours. Uh, No hyperbole here. I could not have been more wrong about this game than I was. 
Uh, I guess I did say avoid Kobe Flaner. He went two for 10, so I can hang my hat on that, I guess. Uh, Mung, do you just jump back in and trust everyone? Uh, I, I I, don't know. I, I guess I guess I do. Yeah, I mean, believe me, I'm disappointed too. Uh, I was on the fence between Rodgers and Breeze in a league, and I ultimately oh. went with Rodgers. Uh, I'm not happy at Adams for dropping those two touchdowns, but Look, there's so much uncertainty with quarterbacks recently, especially with top guys like, you know, Matthew Stafford's been struggling with the finger injuries. So has Derek Carr. There's really not that many good QB options. Uh, Breeze will be a top five option again for me at quarterback. Um, even though, again, he struggled the last couple of games before the Arizona game. Uh, really, if you pick apart why, I think that Michael Thomas had a big thing to do with it. Uh, he's been Breeze's go-to guy, and Thomas was not at 100% health. Uh, against Detroit three weeks ago, and he didn't play two weeks ago at Tampa Bay, and those were two of Breeze's worst games. Um, again, Breeze was in a dome last week uh, at Arizona with a healthy Michael Thomas, and boom, 29 points. So I'm starting him uh, in the Superdome with Michael Thomas playing. Um, he'll be a solid QB1, I think. Um, we saw Ingram get pulled at the goal line and very vocally unhappy about it, but he's still in that mid-level RB2 range. Uh, and I'm just, you know, I, I think that Cooks, uh, you know, he and Thomas are both low-end wide receiver twos with upside. Uh, but I, again, I've been saying even with Cooks' big game, uh, I still lean Michael Thomas. I I think he's the number one guy uh, and needs a flex play. Fleener is an afterthought. Just, you know, be prepared for a 6-for-84 in a touchdown game, but also be prepared for a 2-for-10 game. Sure. Uh, I, I actually like Tampa Bay here. Um, call me crazy. No, I will take uh, I'll take the Saints here. I think that with all his weapons healthy now at home, I think uh, Breeze is going to take this game. Now, so the other half of that aforementioned game, Arizona uh, going into Seattle, part two of the game. I couldn't have had more wrong. Uh, let's get it all out of the way at once, which is nice. I guess Palmer, 318 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. I'm still not trusting him in Seattle, even with Earl Thomas out of the game. Larry Fitzgerald, 7 of 9 for 57, a solid day. J.J. Nelson, 5 of 38 for a touchdown, of course. John Brown, 8 for 81 and a touchdown, of course. Just making me look silly out there. For the record, I did peg uh, Gresham for a 6-point point, uh, PPR floor. He got you 7. Yay for me. You're welcome. Oh, and I did say that uh, that David Johnson was a running back one. He gave you a 26-point day. You're absolutely welcome. You were probably not starting him if I didn't say anything. So, of course, uh, yeah, he's, again, a matchup-proof running back one. Yeah, you're starting David Johnson. I don't know anyone that could have really predicted the the kind of game, the kind of day that uh, J.J. Nelson and um, John Brown had here. Really, uh, if you predicted that, then you know, props to you. And I don't know that anyone really saw that coming. Um, there's obviously they're high upside, but they're still very low floor plays, especially at Seattle. Um, they're still just wide receiver force for me. I mean, they're boomer bust, but the floor is so low that I don't know that you can ever trust them. Um, I don't like, he, I don't like Paul. John either. Brown is on the brink of having his leg cut off for sickle cell disease and is sitting here getting you 81 points at any 81 yards and a touchdown on my bench. This is not a man that's in my good graces. <laughs> I mean, certainly props for him uh, for playing, you know, through a tough condition. But um, yeah, I mean, for fantasy purposes, even though Carson Palmer had a real nice day, I, I don't I don't like him at Seattle. Just a QB two for me. And uh, 
really, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, he's been slowing down in the second half of the season. He's getting up there in age, and I don't like him either uh, for this game. Just the mid-level wide receiver, too. I don't think he's in that wide receiver one range anymore. Um, and yeah, with Jermaine Gresham, I, I think I actually still like him over Nelson and Brown. Uh, he's still very involved in the passing game. Uh, although no one is safe uh, this week against Seattle, but he's still... Uh, He's still in that tight end two, high end tight end two mix. And of course you're starting David Johnson. Uh, no need to talk about that. No one is safe for Seattle and nobody is happier to be done talking about that game than me. Now for Seattle, this game was in LA and as predicted exactly what little Russell needed to get his head right. 229 yards, three touchdowns and interception. I think he's a fine quarterback one in this home matchup versus Arizona. Um, Arizona looked very beatable versus New Orleans. Rawls, of course, should have a bounce back game here versus a worse run defense. He's a low end running back one for me this week. Graham has slumped back into low end tight end one uh, territory. He's a tight uh, touchdown dependent status tight end with the rest of them. Uh, Baldwin's a wide receiver two, five of six for 35 yards and a touchdown only this past game um, versus LA. Lockett is the other option that I always like on this team. Seven of eight for 130 yards and a touchdown uh, versus LA. Cooks uh, just showed us how speed can gash this Arizona team, and Lockett has speed in bunches. Yeah, really. I mean, we've seen this Cardinals defense struggle, and I think part of it is, you know, this was actually Tyron Matthews' first game back healthy from that injury. Um, but overall, I, I guess we're disagreeing a lot this week because I think you're a lot more optimistic on the Seahawks than I am. Um, for me, Russell Wilson, just a low-end QB1. I, I still think that that offensive line is going to kind of get harassed here. Um, and then Rawls would be a mid-range RB2 with upside here. Uh, he was running well against Los Angeles, but there was just no blocking from the offensive line. Uh, I just You're hoping for a touchdown from Rawls. Uh, this feels like another slugfest sort of game with both offenses playing somewhat conservative and, and letting their defenses limit the other team. Um, I, I see Baldwin as a mid-range wide receiver too, and we've seen that Tyler Lockett is a high upside and low floor wide receiver three or flex play because Jimmy Graham has lost a lot of targets and snaps with Tyler Lockett healthy, and, and I agree that Graham is back to that mid to low end tight end one range, but He's still a solid option there, just given the state of fantasy tight ends right now. Um, there's really none that are reliable outside of a, a select few, and I would still start Graham. All right, uh, the Seahawks take the game at home in a hard-fought NFC West showdown. Yes, I will take Seattle as well. All right, the rest of the NFC West, San Francisco at L.A. Uh, we had Kaepernick as a height end quarterback, too, and he put up 17 points. I'm expecting a very similar day versus L.A. Carlos Hyde only 13 for 71, one of three for six through the air. Much more limited than he would have been if they didn't abandon the run completely. He's a middling running back, too, versus a solid L.A. run defense. Uh, I told you to avoid the wide receivers. I hope you listened. I echo that sentiment yet again. Yeah, uh, gross. Cap is a high end uh, or high ceiling, low floor QB two, and Carlos Hyde is a mid range RB two. Um, we did see that Blake Bell and Garrett Selleck split snaps at tight end with Vance McDonald on IR. Uh, Selleck did get that touchdown, but you're not starting any of the wideouts or the tight ends on this team in fantasy. I'm certainly not. Uh, now the Rams got rolled over by Seattle, and Goff was placed in concussion protocol. I highly doubt you're looking to LA for your championship week quarterback regardless. San Francisco is an awful D. I think Gurley is firmly in play as a higher end running back due this week. Only 14 for 38 versus Seattle, but 
uh, had all but one running back carry and four passing targets even. Uh, with how bad San Francisco is, in a pinch, I might consider uh, Britain flex if you're desperate. Otherwise, nothing else to see here, folks. I have exactly nothing to add to that. <laughs> that I mean, those Great. are the two guys that you're, you are considering on the Rams. That keeps us moving. All right, LA wins. Yeah, I think uh, I think you really kind of hit on that conspiracy theory with Chip Kelly. He's a he's a smart enough cookie that uh, he wants that pick. Oh, you like that? Yes, sir. All right, Cincinnati at Houston uh, Saturday night, Christmas Eve. You know, open your presents and watch a real exciting Houston matchup. Andy Dalton with a much worse day than I'd expected. 157 yards, one interception. But sometimes Dalton just does that to you. That's that's Andy Dalton's career right there. I do expect a rebound versus Houston, but he's still a low-end quarterback, too, for me. Um, uh, Jeremy Hill, 20 for 43 and a touchdown. Um, one catch for eight yards. He's a mid-range running back, too, for me here. Burkhead with seven carries for 32 yards, adding three targets. Not quite a third of the carries here, uh, or a third of the work here, but enough to limit Jeremy Hill. I don't know if uh, if the receiving game was due to Dalton's struggles, Pittsburgh's successes, or the lack of AJ Green catching up to them. Um, Eifert was hugely disappointing. One catch only for nine yards. But again, I'd look for a bounce back here. He's a solid tight end one. Uh, he should put up a solid tight end one line. Boyd only two for thirteen. Hopefully, you weren't starting him. The big surprise to me was LaFell, seven of nine for ninety one. I would not count on that either. That's the type of line we've been waiting uh, that Marvin Jones would put up with Dalton every fifth week of the season. And then we'd expect a breakout that would absolutely never come. Uh, early, early report is that AJ Green is targeted to possibly play this week, which is sort of interesting. Yeah. Um, first off, real quick, you said, do you, do you open your presents on Christmas Eve? Um, n- no. Uh, hmm. Yeah, no, no, I just wanted to check, uh, but <laughs> no, because I, I actually do. Uh, well, okay, so I do on... because we go and see my mom's family and we do open those presents, but you're right, presents are no, open. No, I, I was going to say, I, I think, no, I think that's fine because, uh, you know, just kind of off subject, but talking with some friends lately, I, I think a lot of people actually do that, uh, you know, given splitting time at different family members' homes uh, during the holidays, so I was just surprised to hear that, you know, I wasn't the only one. Um, hey, man, it's 2016. Families are all over the place. Yeah, no, I'm totally fine with that. Uh, I'm fine with presents wherever. Um, but really for presents this game. Presents are good. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but really for me, no thanks on Andy Dalton. Uh, Jeremy Hill's the only guy I trust, really. And I'm not sure about AJ Green. It would really depend on your options for me. Um, it sounds like... He might give it a go, but even even if he's active, he's a high-end wide receiver for a desperation play. Houston's secondary has been playing well, and, and I don't expect Green to be 100% even if he's active. Um, this is not like a Julio Jones situation where if he plays, I think he's, he's back to close to full health. Um, I'm much more concerned about Green's injury risk, uh, especially if he re-injures that hamstring, which is very likely with those soft tissue inj- injuries during the game um for me it's jeremy hill uh as a as an rb2 and um tyler eifert as a as a tight end one but he's just a low end tight end one for me here uh houston also defends very well against the tight end yeah i don't know why they risk it here uh finally brock eisweiler has come back to the bench 
which is home for him, right where he belongs. 48 yards, two interceptions on 11 attempts, replaced by Tom the Savage. 260 yards, zero for zero interceptions, zero touchdowns. But he actually looked worlds better out there than Osweiler has the entire season. Uh, that said, he gets another tough pass defense here in Cincinnati. Hopkins is a wide receiver, too, for me, if Savage does start. Um, which it's looking like he will because he at least looks like he's going to try and feed him uh, eight catches on 17 targets, 87 yards. That, that's a good look right there. Fuller four of eight for 42. He's not a good option for me. Uh, Ryan Griffin in Fedorowicz's absence, eight of eight for 85. Stro uh, Fedorowicz still in concussion protocol. Uh, now Lamar Miller did put together a decent day, 22 carries on 63 yards and a touchdown two of two targets for 26 yards a high-end running back two here if he does play if he's healthy enough to suit up uh, monitor his progress as the week goes so a, a quick hypothetical here would you rather uh would you rather brock osweiler uh as he is right now or in the future an 80 year old tom brady with like an iron lung Oh, Tom Brady. I, I don't care if he's in a hospital bed. <laughs> All right. I think, uh, I think I would agree with you on that. Um, Osweiler oh, yeah. did get benched after two interceptions, and it sounds like Tom Savage is going to get another shot against Cincinnati. Um, this is fantastic news for DeAndre Hopkins owners, who was targeted on 15 of Savage's 36 pass attempts. Uh, that's like an insane 2015 Brian Hoyer-esque target percentage there, and that puts Hopkins firmly back into that high-end wide receiver three territory for me here um, if he's going to get that many opportunities something good is going to happen um, will fuller is still that boomer bust wide receiver four uh savage's deep ball isn't the greatest but he really just needs to big break one big play for a touchdown um, but i would stay away as again uh, cincinnati secondary has played well just as houston's has and we'll see about lamar miller suffer another ankle injury very late in the game um, if he can't go, Alfred Blue would be that risk-reward RB3, kind of like a Kenneth Farrow type. Um, he would still share the workload in some sort of committee, but I do think he would lead that committee. Uh, and then also notable, CJ Fedorowicz left this game with a concussion. And after that, Ryan Griffin, eight catches for 85 yards with Tom Savage. Uh, he would be right in that low-end, tight-end one range if Fedorowicz is out for this game. There you go. Um, as for the game projection, I, I think that everybody produces uh, as well as as well as we both said. But I do think Cincinnati takes this game. I think Geno Atkins and the secondary gets to Tom Savage, pick him off at least twice this game. Uh, give me the Houston Texans with superstar quarterback Tom Savage. Wow. All right. Uh, Baltimore at Pittsburgh Sunday afternoon. Um, you know, very odd game times this week. Um AFC North showed up. Baltimore edged out a win, stopping the Philadelphia two-point attempt in the fourth quarter, backed by a nice day from Joe Flacco. 206 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. He's a decent quarterback, too, versus Pittsburgh. There's better, there's worse. West and Dixon are still splitting carries. West, 13 for 77, four receptions for 45 yards. Dixon, nine carries for 36 yards, 0 for 1 through the air. By my eyes, Dixon does look more talented, but Baltimore may just be satisfied with having two reliable running backs both not being overworked this year and going forward. It's certainly not a bad recipe, but is not helping anybody in fantasy. Um, Smith, only two catches on seven attempts for 40 yards and a touchdown. I think he'll have a solid wide receiver two day here versus Pittsburgh. Yeah, just a real quick note, Jonathan Stewart is just crushing it out there tonight. Uh, he is just breaking ankles and breaking tackles like nobody's business. Um, man, can you imagine if he actually got a full workload all the years that he's been in Carolina? 
on the flip side, it might be he might be doing this well because he hasn't had a full workload this long. I don't know. Who knows? All right. Fair enough. Uh, that's certainly a, a plausible argument as well, uh, given how many injuries he's had. Um, sure. All right, so Kansas City's run defense has really been struggling since losing Derek Johnson uh, to that season-ending Achilles injury, but at the same time, Denver's offensive line has just been terrible at run blocking. Uh, We're seeing that Forsett has very quickly turned into a lead back here. Uh, You can drop Devontae Booker if you haven't already. Not to cut you off, but I think we're talking about Baltimore. I'm sorry, are we? Oh, I'm sorry. I think so. I, I, I totally just skipped that game. You're um, just like, wow, Jonathan Stewart, he's the man. And three games later. I, yeah, I got very sidetracked by Jonathan Stewart's uh, big run. But sorry, um, Baltimore, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, right. So You, you know, he, Dixon. You know, I mean, Forsett was on Baltimore, so I can understand your Yeah, I, I think that was that missing link there, um, to be yeah, honest Kubiak. with you. Yeah, Kubiak. It's, it, you know, six, six degrees of Kubiak separation. Yeah, I, I'm also more distracted by the Monday night game than, than I usually am because I'm very concerned with the outcome. But um, So even though Kenneth Dixon has been playing better, I, I really think that Baltimore wants to keep it a committee here. Both are still just flex plays. We're really seeing that even after a really nice game against the Patriots, the workload stays the same. Um, I, I really expected a much bigger day for Mike Wallace here. Philadelphia's pass rush really harassed Flacco all day long, and Smith and Wallace are you know just wide receiver threes or flex plays here, especially with the Steelers' defense playing tough recently. Um, and they're sure to play really tough on Christmas Day in an important divisional game that's that's got a lot of playoff consequences. Yes, sir. Uh, Pittsburgh on the other on the other side of the field. Uh, Big Ben was held to 280 yards and a touchdown in Cincinnati. A uh, good call there, Mung, on on fading him a bit. Um, he draws another tough Baltimore opponent, another uh, divisional divisional foe. He put up 260, one touchdown and one interception earlier this year in Buffalo, uh, in Baltimore, with Brown getting 85 yards and a touchdown. Brown's again a wide receiver one, despite a bad day in Cincinnati. Three catches, only 58 yards. But Ben has not been crisp enough for me to lean on either Rodgers or Coates. Uh, Green has looked good, five catches on eight targets for 72 yards. Um, a continued healthy dose of targets. If he comes back from his concussion, he'd be a tight end one for me this week. Le'Veon Bell, 23 yards, uh, 23 carries, 93 yards, five for 38 yards in the air, running back one, of course. Yeah, um, I really didn't like Ben Roethlisberger on the road last week against a stout Cincinnati secondary, but I love him this week. Fire him up as a solid mid-range QB one for me. Right. Even though he hasn't been playing well, uh, he's at home, and the, the split is real for him, and the home and road splits. Uh, I think he's going to be great here, uh, and I think that you throw on Baltimore. You don't run on them, despite Ryan Matthews' big day. Um, and especially if Jimmy Smith is out again, Baltimore's best cornerback. Uh, I, I love Antonio Brown. Uh, obviously he's a wide receiver one and of course you're starting Le'Veon Bell um you're not benching him either but I expect Ben to throw to Antonio Brown all day if Smith is out and that run defense uh, is again better than their pass defense um I actually I'm I don't think Ladarius Green's going to play this week with his concussion just given the the in, the excuse me the injury history that he has had with concussion issues uh it's very concerning and I don't think he's going to play um, that's actually the same reason that I've stayed away from Jordan Reed in most dynasty leagues. And assuming green is out, I think Jesse James should be a high end tight end too. Um, of course I don't trust Eli Rogers either, but, uh, I think Sammy Coates is still a little too boom or bust for me. If I had to pick one, I would take Eli Rogers, uh, 
high-end wide receiver four with upside. Definitely scary. Uh, do you like Martavis Bryant next year? Uh, Martavis Bryant? Yeah. In Dynasty? You know that, yeah. Yeah, I, I, sorry, I thought you were talking about this week, and he's obviously still suspended. No, next year. Yeah, no, I, I think that uh, while he and Coates play a similar role, I think that he's a much better receiver than Coates. Yeah, I think I think I think it's worth buying low. I mean, Rodgers and Coates have distracted people enough. I mean, they've been good enough in his absence, but I don't. I I think he's worth a buy low. Yeah, I think we'll definitely he'll be one of the names that we'll talk about in our dynasty show after the season's over. All right, give me Pittsburgh here. Yeah, I, I can't argue against the Steelers at home. A must-win game for for Pittsburgh this week. Uh, all right, Denver, Denver and Kansas City. Uh, Denver was held to all of three points, which is one field goal for those of you doing the math out there versus New England. Uh, not the total anyone expected. Trevor Simeon, 280 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. A quarterback three versus Kansas City. Uh, to address the elephant in the room, they truly hate Devontae Booker. Six carries for 17 yards to Forsett's 10 carries for 37. Unfortunately, Forsett is like fetch, and Kubiak should really stop trying to make fetch happen. It's just not going to. Demarius Thomas with seven catches on 11 for 91, but falls to a low-end wide receiver two status in Kansas City. Sanders, three of six for 48 yards. I think they, he has about the same value as Demarius Thomas in Kansas City. Maybe a wide receiver three, maybe. Not an impressive offense by any stretch of the imagination. They definitely have a lot of steps to make going forward. Oh, can I, can I talk about Denver now? Is that where we're Yeah, I, I was really <laughs> hoping you might talk about Baltimore now, actually. Um, okay, so as I was saying uh, maybe three or four minutes ago, um, Kansas City's run defense, they've really been struggling since losing Derek Johnson to that Achilles injury. Um, but at the same time, Denver's offensive line hasn't been run blocking very well. Uh, Forsett would be a desperation RP4 or a very low on flex play. Um, and I like Sanders and Demarius both as, you know, wide receiver threes or flex plays. I just, I don't see them running, uh, you know, that well, despite Derek Johnson's absence. I still think that you beat Kansas City by throwing the ball. Um, yeah, and, you know, I don't like A.J. Derby as more than a low-end tight end, too. Another bad drop uh, in the game against the Patriots, his former team. Maybe that's a Belichick incentive. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but uh, I actually, you know, I think Derby's an interesting stash in Dynasty Leagues. Uh, you remember I was very high on Virgil Green coming into the season just because of how heavily the tight end position is utilized in that Kubiak offense. Um, if we see Paxton Lynch develop a little bit more and, and be the starter next year and the offensive line play a little bit better, um, I think that A.J. Derby could be a decent tight end stash in, uh, in fantasy football here. All right. Interesting thought there. Uh, now, Kansas City. Kansas City lost in the final seconds to Tennessee, like we said before. They will have a battle versus the Denver defense. Smith and, and the wide receivers are a non-consideration for me here. A poor showing against a poor Tennessee pass defense will look very similar versus Denver. Hill zero for three uh, through the air, despite the huge 68-yard touchdown run that saved his fantasy day for you. He's an upside wide receiver three just because of his boom-bust potential. Spencer Ware, 18 carries for 70 yards, three of three for 25 through the air. We all know the struggles Denver has had versus the run. Fire him up as a high-end wide receiver two, maybe low-end wide receiver one this week. Or running back, sorry. Yeah, Andy Reid is just so infuriating. Uh, he kind of reminds me of when Lovey Smith was with the Bears, and even with a really good defense, he would be ultra-conservative and, and try to have the defense win the game even when the offense was capable of moving the ball. Um <sighs> 
<laughs> Andy Reid decides that he just wants to run all day when he's only up 14 points. Uh, you certainly wanted more from Travis Kelsey. He's still a top tight end one, though, um, in that top five mix. And, and Tyreek Hill, still that high upside, but relatively low floor wide receiver three. Now that Macklin's back, we're seeing that usage get divvied up a little bit more. Um, and then Spencer Ware could have done more, but he struggled even against Denver last time these two teams met. He still remains in that mid-range RB2 mix for me this week. All right. Uh, I think Kansas City goes into Denver. No, goes into Kansas City and uh, no wins. Yeah. So the Kansas City is at home and I will take Kansas City. Yeah, definitely. All right. Detroit at Dallas for your Monday night football game. The another primetime Dallas game. This one to end the fantasy year for most leagues out there. Uh, Matt Stafford was expectedly limited versus the Giants. 273 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. He should have better success versus Dallas unless that uh, what was that guy? Irvin, that Irvin guy off the he was off somebody's practice squad. He came in and just dominated. Uh, last game. He looked great out there for Dallas, um, though. Riddick will be back. Should help Matt Stafford out a ton. Um, he goes back into high end quarterback two consideration. If Riddick does play Washington was poorly effective, 14 carries for 31 yards, two catches for nine. Zach are cut into it. Zenner cut into his workload enough to make me continue to shy away. The wide receivers fared better. Golden Tate eight for 13 on 122 yards, a high end PPR wide receiver two. Jones, three of five for 41, a mid-wings right receiver three. Right now, there are too many mouths to feed for me to strongly consider Bolden or Ebron, but they should have an okay day here in Dallas. Well, first off, uh, you know what would be really great is if instead of throwing all these super successful screen passes to Robert Kelly, they threw a couple, you know, just one or two to Jamison Crowder, but, you know, only if, only if they want to. No big deal or anything. Not like there's a mm -hmm. lot riding on the line. They're setting it up, so they're going to have to defend short, so then Crowder will be up for like three touchdown bombs later in the game. I, I hope you're right on that. Uh, yes, certainly, I hope Carolina keeps uh, keeps leading because then uh, Washington will need to throw a little bit more. Um, but all right, back to this game. Dallas, uh, that pass rush, as you mentioned, is really starting to merge uh, and really at the perfect time in the season. They're legit Super Bowl contenders the way that their front seven are playing right now, covering up some issues in their secondary. Um, if Theo Riddick plays, I expect plenty of involvement in the passing game. He'd go right back into that low-end RB2 range. And I don't love Washington or Zenner. Really can't rely on them against a pretty good Dallas run defense. Um, and the other thing is, I'm still hesitant to trust Golden Tate. Uh, you have him as a wide receiver too, but I still have him as a Devontae Adams range type high-end wide receiver three. Um, it's There's still just enough inconsistency there that I'm not quite ready to trust him as a wide receiver too. And then I'm actually avoiding Marvin Jones as well. Uh, I think he's a boomer bust wide receiver four. Might get a couple big plays uh, deep down the field, but really just not that involved in this uh, passing game as much. Um, and similarly, Eric Ebron, his lack of usage lately is puzzling after he was very involved for a three or four game stretch midseason. Um, just a high end tight end two for me right now. All right. As for Dallas, I, I think the quarterback controversy should be over for now. Dak, 280 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, but looked really good out there. Four rushes for 20 yards and a touchdown. He's a quarterback, too, and a solid producer. If Zeke wasn't so good, Dak would have even more upside. Zeke Ulele at 23 carries, 159 yards and a touchdown, three of three for 29. So, so, so good. 
Um, Darren McFadden got all the work in as the running back too, with Elmore is in uh, inactive this game. Um, it may be a moot point for you this late in the fantasy season may be completely academic, but that would have made him a priority handcuff. If he made it back earlier this year, I suppose what this would say, if you're playing in a week in a 17 week league um, and you're sitting on El Morris, now would be the time to drop him and snag Darren McFadden because I'm certain he's probably unowned in your league. Uh, maybe hang on to him for next year. Does Bryant eight of 10 for 82 yards, a solid day, a wide receiver, one in Detroit, of course, Cole Beasley, four or five for 48, a solid PPR flex. I love that kid. Uh, Witten, 10 of 10 for 51, another solid floor tight end, a guy I'd have above these boom bust uh, uh, touchdown dependent tight ends, despite him not having a catch three weeks ago. That's just not Jason Witten. This is Jason Witten. Yeah, so it sounds like Darius Slay is is doubtful to play again with a hamstring injury that's bothered him previously this season. Uh, he is Detroit's best corner, and you know him being out, uh, likely out this week, would help Dak Prescott and Des Bryant. Um, I like Prescott as a low end QB one, and I like Des as a high end wide receiver too. Uh, maybe even a wide receiver one with Slay out. Uh, and again, I, I doubt that Jason Witten has another ten catch, fifty one yard day, but. Uh, you know, he's a solid low floor tight end one in, or excuse me, um, low end tight end one in PPR. And then Cole Beasley, he's uh, he's still in that boomer bust wide receiver three, maybe wide receiver four mix. Um, of course, you're starting Zeke. That that really goes without saying. And uh, I will take I will take Dallas in another primetime game. Give me Dallas. Take him to 13 and two. Who saw that coming? Yeah, I, I certainly did not, but uh, they are they are one of the teams that I have bets on to win the Super Bowl, so we'll see. <laughs> one of what, 15? Quite nice, quite nice. Now to cover the bye teams, and that covers the bye teams. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. All right, injuries for this week, as we already touched. Uh, Jared Goff is in the concussion protocol, not that you care. Bryce Petty uh, hurt his chest, also not that you care. Uh, Lamar Miller had an ankle sprain. He is day-to-day monitor his uh, his return. He will probably be back. Melvin Gordon with his knee spray earlier this week. He might come back this week. Compl- complicate things here in San Diego, but if he goes, I am taking him this week. Uh, Matt Forte playing with that meniscal tear likely will be limited. Maybe they'll throw him in during garbage time. I, I don't know what they're doing out there. I like Powell. I'm not touching Forte this week. Theoretic with the wrist should be back this week. If he's back and healthy, I like him quite a bit, especially in a PPR league league here in Sproles with the concussion may be back this week to complicate things he be, between he and Ryan Matthews uh, Shane Vereen in a sad note retore his tricep bad for him but you weren't starting a New York Giants running back anyways at least I certainly hope you were not for the wide receivers Julio Jones had that toe sprain questionable monitor his practice status but for two weeks now they've been saying they've been targeting a week 16 comeback for him aj green with the hamstring pull should be back this week he may just be a decoy out there i think that's what i might do if i was marvin lewis throw him out there as a decoy open up the field and use jeremy hill tyler boyd and and mostly tyler eifert to win this game uh dante moncrief with the hamstring not sure if he will be back adam thielen in the concussion protocol um you probably weren't looking towards him as a championship contender regardless. Ladarius Green with the concussion, we don't expect him to play. Austin Hooper with the knee sprain, we do not expect him to play likely week to week here. CJ Fedorovich, concussion also, I think, doubtful in a short week here. Uh, How about uh, 
your your uh, free agent ads and uh, slide in fill it, uh, fill it, fill it. Wow, that was a bad transition. Just take it. <laughs> um, hopefully, your lineups are relatively strong if you've made it to the championship week. But if you're struggling with injuries or you've been, you know, smartly streaming at certain positions, then there are some guys that you could consider adding to help you in this championship week. Um, Ty Montgomery still very low owned. I, I tweeted my love for him this week. Uh, again, another cold game. Uh, Rogers still dealing with that calf injury. I think he's a solid low end RB2 if you need help at that position. Dontrell Inman, he's actually been a wide receiver one in PPR the last four weeks with Williams and Benjamin, both not 100%. Um, he's still out there in a lot of leagues, not being talked about enough. Um, Derek Henry, he's always been a high-value handcuff with that RB1 upside, but uh, to your point, Los, he's been you know a standalone flex play, especially if Je- uh, Tennessee runs the ball a ton against Jacksonville. Alfred Blue, he'll be a decent desperation flex play if Lamar Miller can't go or if he can't handle a full workload with that ankle injury. And then Ryan Griffin, we mentioned if CJ Fedorowicz is out with the concussion on a short week, then it's been checked down city to Ryan Griffin with Tom Savage, and he'd be a great low-end tight end one in PPR to pick up. And then if Griffin, for some reason, you can't get him, Jesse James is another high upside option. Uh, we're assuming that Ladarius Green is not going to play with his history of concussion injuries. Um, he would be a high upside tight end too. And then really quick for kickers and defenses, since this is the playoffs and every point matters, um, we've got Sebastian Janikowski. He's been averaging 10 plus points per game the last five weeks, only 29% owned in Yahoo leagues. And then Will Lutz for the Saints. Uh, again, I expect the Saints to do well at home. And he's been averaging nine points per game the last five weeks with the New Orleans offense playing well, but not finishing their drives. Um, At defense for streaming options, of course, we've got San Diego against Cleveland uh, and Tennessee against Jacksonville. Those are the relatively obvious defense streamers at this point. Uh, But then another defense to consider here uh, that's kind of under the radar is Green Bay against Minnesota. I expect this to be a pretty low scoring game, very cold. And Green Bay's secondary has been playing much better lately. They should be able to put some pressure on Sam Bradford and do pretty well at home. And that should just about wrap it up. Uh, this is your championship week 16 podcast. Um, good luck. Um, my team came up short. Hopefully yours doesn't for you. Yeah, really uh, best of luck to everyone. And uh, more importantly, Merry Christmas or happy holidays, uh, whatever you might celebrate. Um, certainly I, I think, uh, I think Hanukkah actually begins on Christmas this year. So uh, kind of overlap mm-hmm. there or Kwanzaa or whatever. If Even if you don't celebrate any of them, who do you really need a reason to, you know, drink with friends and family and have a good time? No, sir. Happy Diwali. We are equal opportunity enjoyers of the holiday here at Fans Football Addicts. <laughs> that is very correct. Um, but unfortunately, due to this holiday schedule, whatever holiday you choose, uh, we will not be recording a podcast next week. Um, apologies to those who play in leagues that continue on into week 17. Uh, personally, uh, just a quick little plug for me. I don't like having the fantasy season extend into a week 17 where there are high possibilities of top seeded uh, NFL teams benching their starters, but good luck to all of you. If your league does keep going, um, we will, however, record a wrap up show sometime in the next couple of weeks Uh, And then we will do a Dynasty podcast as well at some point after that. 
Uh, we'll discuss some players to buy low and sell high or maybe add off the waiver wire for the coming off season. Um, and as always, for this Week 16 Championship Week, if you have more specific lineup questions, you can reach us on Twitter. I am at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And I'm at FFA underscore Los. And you can, of course, reach our super producer, Dan Green, at FFA underscore Dan. Thank him for a fantastic year. Uh, season two of the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast. It's been quite well. And thank you guys for, for listening in, for sticking with us. Um, whether we've been good or bad for you, whether we've gotten you wins or losses, hopefully at least we've given you at least some time to enjoy a little part of your day, your drive, your commute to work, your commute to school, whenever you're listening. Thank you very much. Yeah, and uh, happy holidays again, and best of luck to you. If you're still alive, congrats for making it thus far. As always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Happy holidays, addicts. Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. The first person to survive Alzheimer's disease is out there. They're going to hold on to everything the disease steals away. And the Alzheimer's Association is going to make it happen by funding research, advancing public policy, and spurring scientific breakthroughs. And by providing local support to those living with the disease and their caregivers, we're easing the burden until we accomplish our goal. But we won't get there without you. Visit alz.org to join the fight.